Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Today, we're just going to continue in the series that we started last week called Building Lasting Community. And uh, today I wanted to kind of start off on this path of just talking a little bit about some things that would be a negative effect or the opposite of community and talk a little bit about isolation and then bring us into another area. And then at the end, I want to do something that will require participation on your part. And so I hope you're okay with that this morning. But I think it's good. We need to be shaken up a little bit sometimes. We heard that this morning in our prayer time. So I thought, oh, yeah, that's a good word. So don't be nervous. Don't worry about it. It's not something you're going to have to do that's going to cause you a bunch of fear and everything. I want to start with a scripture in Proverbs 18, verse 1. And this is a scripture talks about isolation. It says this, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. I'm thinking about this because when we're talking about community, we're talking about relationships. And uh, specifically last week, we talked about relationship with the Lord and the, and the community that he created when the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are community together. And so they set this great example for us as for community. But the opposite of community really is, as I mentioned, isolation. And it's something that we tend to allow ourselves to get into sometimes when we're struggling with something. Now, I'm not referring to people who are introverts, because I know some of you are. Some are extroverts. I consider myself an in-between vert. And so some, I fall somewhere in there. But understanding this, that most of us understand how introverts work, and it's not about isolation. That's not what they are doing, isolating. But I understand that time that they need to go and refresh in that regard. So I'm not talking about that this morning. It's, but really, isolation is basically a negative response to a particular situation that we may be experiencing. And so we respond in a negative way, and we sort of isolate ourselves. We remove ourselves from wisdom, encouragement, warning, care, counsel, these kind of things we tend to remove ourselves from, and we just sort of isolate. And so we pull away from the things that we probably should be surrounding ourselves with. And Proverbs 11.14 says this, says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In Proverbs 15, 22, the message version says, refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. That's in the Bible. Refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. I want to pray in a moment. Before I do that, I just want to mention, and I appreciate all your prayers I've been struggling for the last seven weeks with something going on in my lower back and my sciatic leg, leg issues, and I'm just, I've been battling this thing for about seven weeks now, and I've just continued to pray, thank you for your prayers, and trusting God for healing, but this morning I'm feeling a little off balance, and so, because my left side of my foot on the left side is numb, and so I can't feel that side right now, and so it's making me feel not quite as stable, so it's okay if I... Trust me, I'm, I haven't drank this morning. That's not it, other than a little bit of water. And so if I stumble, don't everybody run up here at once. Uh, we'll, we'll be okay. And, uh, but just thank you for your prayers and that. 
This last Monday night, Jane and I went to an incredible concert. Stood most of the, most of the time there just for comfort reasons. But Lauren Daigle, I don't know if you listen to her music worship-wise, but oh, I love her, her music. And Zach Williams was another uh, singer there. They're both so dedicated to the things of the Lord. And uh, Zach Williams was singing a song in, um, I think, Chain Breaker. I don't know all the names of all the songs. But I, we were just standing there, and I was just totally lost, just worshiping the Lord and singing along. And I just had such faith stirred up in me for healing at that moment. And that's good. It's good for us to have that and stir. And I just felt like, God, this would be an incredible place for you to heal me. What a great testimony this would be in front of, you know, I'm, I'm worshiping with thousands of people. I'm worshiping you. And, well, he didn't choose to heal me then. But it was okay because I felt like, Lord, I felt your presence. I know you're with me. I know you care. I, I know that's true about all of us. We can't always try to figure out why God does or doesn't do things. And this is not part of my message, but I just as an encouragement, uh, standing here today and understanding that we go through things in life, it's his timing for us. And we continue to seek him. We continue to thank him. We continue to pursue him. It isn't up to us. We do what we know to do. And guess what? He is always faithful. He is. He's faithful. So at some point, we'll figure this thing out. I have an MRI scheduled for Tuesday. And we'll just do one day at a time and see, see what happens. In the meantime, I just feel like, God, you're working in me. You're talking to me. You're teaching me things. I'm trying to grow. And so that's, that's okay. We all have our areas that we work through and deal with. And so wise counsel is something that I found myself, so it does fit, seeking out in this process of not feeling good. I could isolate myself, I could stay home, I could feel sorry for myself, I could be laying on the couch and go, woe is me, God, why don't you heal me, you're not who you say you are. You know, those things, we've been there, right? But I talk to people who have wisdom in these areas and listen and talk and, and try different things and, and, and it's fine. But there's something comforting about being able to be around other people who maybe have experience or have been where you're at or can just encourage you or speak into your life. That's called community. That's relationships that we have, and we can be encouraged by each other. Amen? Amen. Lord, I thank you that you decided that you didn't do this thing just by yourself in the sense of, well, I'm God, and I have this world, and I have it all to myself, but you chose to put humanity on this earth, and you chose to have relationship with us, and we're thankful for that. But you didn't stop there. You also chose to have create us to have relationship with each other. So we're doing that. Even being able to have a time of uh, rejoicing and expression and experience in even uh, dedicating a child to you. There's something about, there's relationship, there's community, there's family there, and it's exciting. So I just pray the next few minutes as we dive into some of these things, God, that you would just speak to us and there would be one or two things that may come clearer to us as we move forward in our walk with you. So we thank you, God, for your encouraging word that will be coming to us today. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. 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 God is a good God. Amen. So I was just going to list, if I have a list of a few things uh, that can happen when we isolate ourselves. The first thing on the list is that I have is just that we lose perspective. We can lose perspective. The lows that we experience in life become lower. 
when we isolate ourselves because we don't have anything. Our point of view becomes clouded. How we see things is a little bit clouded. It's different. Simple decisions become much harder for us because we don't have any way to get something encouraging and helpful in that. We become more impulsive in our choices and we just kind of do life in this uh, place of we're just like, well, it's just me. I got to figure this thing out. But understand, we must realize that we're in a battle. And it's not a battle of flesh and blood. It's not about each other. It's not about another person. We're in this spiritual battle. And we're in it daily. And so it's not about flesh and blood. There's principalities, there's powers, there's things that come at us and understanding that. And so we need others in the body of Christ, others in our family, in the community to help us in those times so we don't find ourselves pulling into isolation. Uh, I don't know if you ever look at, like, sheep, how they pretty much stay together most of the time when they're around, but there's the wolves. They come around, and what do they do? They look for a sheep that's wandering off by himself, that's isolated a little bit from the rest of the pack. So they'll go after that sheep. Well, that's what the enemy loves. He loves to isolate us, and he loves to go after us, where maybe there's not others that see the attack that comes on us, and then we get in this vulnerable place. There's a show that used to be on, I don't know, 15 years ago, whatever it is, a time, it's hard for me to know this, but called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And on there, you had what they called lifelines. And one of them was phone a friend. I don't know if you remember this show, if, you're, if you remember that, but you could phone a friend. That's a lifeline. And I was thinking about that. And I think, you know what? That's part of us be in community where we get into this place and we may need to phone a friend. We may need a, a lifeline to keep us from that place of isolation. So that's good for us. It's important for us. The next thing that we find ourselves when we, we get isolated is we think about this whole thought process of the fear of getting too close. We don't want to get too close. People would stay, rather stay disconnected than risk injury risk being hurt, it happens to us. Fear of getting too close. How about the feeling that I'm being judged? Have we ever had that? It's like, if I let somebody in, they're going to look down on me. They'll judge me. Those are the thoughts we have. So we have that fear of getting too close, allowing somebody to get too close to us. We saw in the announcements about the small groups and some things. Uh, next Sunday, we have the lunch after service. Love to see everybody at the lunch. It's a free lunch, a catered lunch that we provide, but it's part of community, relationship. And then we're going to be talking a little bit about our small groups. That's one place where it's, it's easy to establish and start kind of getting yourself in that place of putting your toe in the water. Maybe it's okay to get to know somebody else. Maybe it's okay to let them in a little bit. Let me say this. Not everybody's going to be your best friend, and you shouldn't expect that. Not everybody's going to be close, and not everybody's going to treat you the way that you would want. But there's going to be some that you're going to discover that are in your corner. They're for you. They're not against you. They're not there to judge you. They're there to help you. You're not going to pour out your heart to somebody that you don't know or that you don't have a trust. That's where we build trust in building relationships. We all have been to that place where somebody has let us down, haven't we? They failed me. Guess what? We have all fail. There's only one person that will never let us down, who will never fail us. That's Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ. So don't get upset and leave 
fellowship or feel like, oh, I'm not going to be around people anymore because whatever happened. Know that, guess what? If I remember right, there was a couple guys that did that to Jesus. They kind of blew, they said some things, whether it's Peter or Judas or whatever, said some things to, to break relationship or to hurt that relationship. And Jesus could have just pulled back and said, not doing this anymore. These guys hurt me. But instead he goes, you know, I'm going to even take that a step further. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to shed my own blood because I care so much about them. I care so much about the world. I care so much about the people who are seated here today. It matters. It matters. There's this misconception, too, about people in church, probably from the outside more than what's in the church, but even we bring this fakeness sometimes, that everybody in the church is perfect. That's not the case. We know, right? You're here, so it's not perfect. I'm here, so it's not perfect. Let's just settle that right now. We're all doing life together, and we're all going through stuff. What better way to kind of connect together and say, you know what? Hey, you're going through this. I have had the privilege for many years to go, and that's why I say, I have no problem. I'm going to go pray for that person. I, I'll go on Thursday night to pray with people, or I'll go to the hospital to pray, or, or I will, because I've been blessed for many years to have good health. And I think, man, I would much rather be in that place of good health, right, than being that person who's suffering from a disease right now who needs my prayers. Because sometimes we get in that place of like, well, I'm doing good. I don't know what their problem is. What do they got going on? They don't have enough faith. What? They have sin in their life? Come on. Jesus shot that stuff down pretty quick, didn't he? We're going to go, man, there, there's somebody here that's not doing well. I need to come alongside and encourage him. Fear of getting too close. How about this? Another one that can happen when we isolate. Selfishness. We get in this place of selfishness. We disconnect. We tend to be more selfish when we disconnect. We start thinking about self-centeredness. And it's a byproduct of disconnection, self-centeredness and selfishness. It, it becomes a byproduct of this. We begin to see life through this narrow lens of isolation lens. And it becomes all about ourself. Again, the woe is me. You know, I can tell you something. We need to break up with ourselves. Come on. <laughs> you know, we get so into ourselves. It's not about other people, it's about us. You need to break up with yourself if that's what needs to happen. We're living in this culture of selfies, aren't we? You see it all over the place. That's what social media has, has become. It's all those things, and it's, that's what we are. Jane and I were at a Seahawks game. Somebody gave us some tickets to go to the game, a preseason game, and there was two young ladies that were sitting right in front of us, and they spent most of the time taking pictures of themselves, and I'm telling you, I photobombed a lot of those pictures. <laughs> Jane's like, what are you doing? And then the, finally the girls turn around and look at me like, would you stop? Why don't you stop? You're ruining my game. <laughs> yeah. It's all about us. We like pictures of ourselves. Come on, really? We do. We all do. Because when you see a photo and there's 20 people in it and you're in it, you go right to you. Oh, that's a bad picture. I take such horrible pictures. Maybe this is what you look like. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. How do we decide that? 
you look in the mirror and maybe the mirror looks better than the camera. I don't know. <laughs> we all have stuff we like we don't like. We need to retake that picture. Yeah, Photoshop. There we go. And that works. Selfies. We'll take a selfie and put that in there. Here's another one. Isolation can lead to poor health. The reality is it's true. Researchers tracked 7,000 people over a nine-year period of time. I don't know what kind of job that is, or, you know, over nine years, you're following 7,000 people around. And they found that in these 7,000 people for nine years, there was a segment of them who were unhealthy. They had bad habits, whether it was eating disorder, eating habit, bad eating habits, smoking, drinking, uh, all of whatever all the things were that created poor health, at the end of the research, after nine years, they found out that the people with the poor health but had really good social life, who interacted, who built relationships, who had community, lived much longer than people who were healthy but isolated. Interesting. Very interesting when I'm thinking about that. And so, of course, I came up with this, and this is probably what everybody's going to tweet, and they're going to put on their Facebook quote from Pastor Steve, and this will probably be the only thing you remember of the whole entire message. But this was what I came up with. It's better to eat ding-dongs with friends than eat broccoli alone. <laughs> so that, in a nutshell, is what this is all about. You will live longer. Now, it's better to eat broccoli with friends. Now you're ruining it. I understand it's good to eat healthy. Don't get me wrong in that. I'm just giving you an example of a study that was done. I'm, I'm saying the benefit of building relationship and having community is so important. I'm not saying to eat unhealthy and do all those things. Although, we all do those from time to time. So, the last one, and there's many things, but this other one I was thinking about was what happens when we isolate ourselves is sin can develop a stronger hold on us. And what I mean by that is sometimes this happens even out of guilt. Let's say we've done something that we feel is wrong, whether it's morally wrong or we feel like we've sinned or whatever, and out of guilt to even share that or talk to somebody, we isolate ourselves. And what it does is it gives the enemy an opportunity to pile on and say, oh, see, you're not worth it. Look what you did. You made this mistake. Nobody's going to like you. They're going to judge you. They're going to pounce on you. They're going to think less of you. All of this stuff goes through our mind, right? And the enemy loves to do that. And so it then creates this place where we're going, why does it even matter then? Why do I have to try to live up to whatever this is? And we get to that place of just sort of throwing in the towel. And so sin then becomes, has a stronger hold on us. Instead of when we come to that place and, and go, God, boy, I'm in this place. I did this. I made this mistake. God, I, I'm going to trust you in this. And I, I'm going to call this person. I know I can trust them. And I'm going to ask them to pray with me. And pretty soon, you see things start to change and start to shift. And somebody comes along, and they put their arm around you, and they say, you know what? This is okay. You're going to get through this. It's going to be all right. God's for, you've asked for forgiveness. God's forgiven you. I forgive you for sure. And we begin to walk this journey saying, hey, God's gift on your life, his call on your life, it's irrevocable. Come on, let's do this thing called life. Let's work together. Let's serve together. Let's see Jesus' name proclaimed. Let's not allow the enemy to steal that from us. Amen? 
Amen. So what does God say about us and our role in what we call community? What does he say? What is he after? What is he looking for? Let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Now, I don't believe that means that that we're going to be gods, but I think be like us, meaning us, community, be like us, be relational, be caring, be loving, all of these things that who God is and the, the triune, the Trinity is, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's an amazing connection there. When you talk about a rope and the three strands that can't easily be broken, you think about the power of God. He said, let's make them in our image. Let's, let's make them relational. Let's make them have community. Let's make them like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This really means that we have been made in community. We're made in community. Without each other, we come up way short. We do. In our own Whatever that looks like, you on your own, you come up short. First of all, if we're connected to Jesus Christ, that's we're in lockstep. But we also, he created, the reason he created man, because there's something he wanted to do relationally. Because as I mentioned last week, God created man. There was something, that void that needed to be filled that he didn't choose to fill. He could have been everything we needed. But he recognized and looked like, I can't be everything for them. I can't be there physically with them to help them, to encourage them, to pray with them, to do those things. So he is there. He's our eternal Lord. But he created man, human beings for each other. And then Jesus, what did he do? He, he doubled down on this, on God's heart, because he wanted us to experience the same love and relationship that he has with his father, He doubled down and he said, I want the same thing I have with my father. I want that with you. And not only that, I want you to have that with those that you serve with, those that you do life with. That's what his plan, that's what he created us for. He says, whatever that is, the experience I have with my father, I want that for you. So in John chapter 17, Jesus prays to his father regarding us, regarding you. He goes into this prayer and he he says, I am praying not only for these disciples, he's referring to his disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us today. I pray that they will be able to, they all will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Wow, that's powerful. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. 
he is really pouring out his heart to his father. And there's such a connection that's going on that he's, he's reiterating his connection with his father and his father's connection with him. And then he's saying, that connection is in me, is in these people. And it's the same love. It, it just flows. It all goes together really well. In John 13, 34, Jesus said this. He said, now, so now, I am giving you a new commandment. Oh, we got to listen. What is it Jesus is saying? Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. He's talking to us here. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's like, oh, if you got your things in order, once you get your life in order, then try this. It might bring some added value. No, he says, you know what? Start loving on people. Start doing the Jesus thing. He says, just as I have loved you, because we know he loves us, unconditional. He's saying, now start transferring that to other people. When we say love one another, it's all about the one another. <laughs> the other, the other, the one another. We can get this isolated thing going on, and it's about me. But he gets us off of that. He goes, if I can just get you off yourself, if I can just get you to break up with yourself, it's about one another. His command is to love others just as he loves us. I know this is a simple message, but I'm telling you, we have to get this in our spirit. We really do. Because we live daily with all the cares of life and our own cares and this, this and that. And by nature, we are selfish people. We are. By nature, we are. As soon as we came out of the womb, I think Josh and Sherea could attest to that. Especially Sherea, when, when it comes time to eat, yeah, they let you know. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Babies don't come out and go, hey, why don't you feed my brother first? No, it's about feed me. <laughs> so we have this thing about, that's my toy. No, there's 20 toys in the room. One kid picks up one toy and the other goes after that toy and there's 19 more on the floor. No, it's selfish. Me, give me that. That's mine. So we got to break that thing. It's about one another. We get that. John 15, starting in verse 12. And it continues. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Here it is, right here, verse 13. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. There's a command to love. Not only love, but willing to lay down your life. And I don't know that this necessarily means that you've got to physically die for somebody, but you need to be able to go and say, you know what? I'll give of my time. I'll give of myself. I'll, I'll go the extra mile. I'll do this for you. There's no greater love than the expression that we have to demonstrate to somebody else. And this is what he loves. He loves to see that because he said, if you're my friends, if you really are my friends, you'll do this. And what it basically is, what is love? Basically, uh, the affection for the well-being of others. Affectionately are seeking after the well-being of others. We can't always provide everything, right? No, we can't. We're not called to have to do everything for everybody. But there's something we can do. There's some area where we can fill that place. And here's the deal. Our relationship with each other as believers is what the world uses to judge whether our message is truth or not. It's our relationship with each other. Because the world's going to watch us. If they walk in this church or they walked in your home, or walked in wherever you're at, and saw you interacting, would they say, that's a good place. There's love there. So they're going to judge whether or not, whatever you tell them will be judged on how you treat each other. 
They're going to look at that. Well, you treat that guy like, I won't say the words, but you didn't treat him well. Oh, oh, well, I was having a bad day. Well, no. Jesus tells his disciples in verse 35 of, of John 13, he said, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples. When they see the love that you have for each other. That's when it happens. And guess what? Here is the clincher for this. Jesus didn't say, they will know based on how much you love me. He didn't say that, does he? Why not? He said, based on how much you love each other, how you treat each other. That's what he's putting the focus on. He's not putting it on him. It's not based on that. Because we could say, well, I, I'm so into the Lord. I am this person who's so spiritual, and it's just me and Jesus. Me and Jesus. And we're having this good time. And it doesn't matter what, you know, I just block out everything else. It's just me and Jesus. I just go into my prayer closet, and it's just me and Jesus. We're having this good time, and everything's good. Somebody's knocking the door. Send him away. It's just me and Jesus. See, he's saying, come on, get off that. That's not what it's about. He said, get real, get practical. He said, it's when they see the love that you have for each other. Now, come on now, we need to get a hold of that. Can we say that we're doing okay with that? People from the outside should be able to come in to the church and say, I want what they have. I want what they have. Now, if I find it easy when I walk into the church and I see Mark Francis and talk to him and he's happy and, and has a great smile and the joy of the Lord. And I, it's easy for me to say, I want what Mark has. You don't know what life he's living and what challenges he's faced. Some, well, most of us do that are part of this church. He's going through some hard times. But Mark's one of the guys who cheers me up the most. In the midst of whatever, he recognizes and realizes it's about others. It's the one another. There's many other people like that here. I just Colin, sorry for using your for example, but when people walk in, are the rest of us, and I'm not saying we have to be, because you don't have to be an extrovert to be that. You can just be a loving person, a caring person. So it doesn't matter where we fall in, in that. And I think, can that be said of me when somebody walks in and say, you know what? I want what, what's going on there. I, what, what is it you... What's happening in your life? Because when, when you have people who don't know the Lord who, and come in, they could walk by two or three people. This, is, this could really happen. And it probably has happened. And I'm sure it happens in every church. Somebody could walk into this church and two spiritual people could be talking and one of them could be complaining about something, about something in the church. And they just happen to walk by and hear that. They're like, I don't want to be a part of this. That's just, we have to be careful and guard ourselves because we're a demonstration, we're a reflection of Jesus. We are. We're going to do something here in a moment. I'm going to ask you guys to, like I mentioned, stretch, stretch yourself a little bit. Here's the thing. We need to be so strong in our relationships with each other. And again, I'm not talking deep stuff. I'm just talking the fact that we can care about and have concern and love for each other. But that the enemy cannot break in and crack that and make headway into that. Because see, he does it all the time. I've grown up in the church grown up in a pastor's home. A past, my parents have pastored, had pastored this church for nearly 40 years. I've been here 57 years, not in this building, but that's how long I've been around and seen this happen. I've seen church, understand everything. I understand relationships. I understand the hurts, the wounds. But I'm saying too many people leave 
the family of God over piddly, stupid things. They get a little wad in their shorts and, and they're gone. It doesn't need to be that way. I'm sorry, did I say something? <laughs> you know, I'm just a real person. I'm just saying, we need to, come on, let's, let's be better at what we do here. And let's pr- be protecting each other. Let's be looking out for each other. Let's, let's have each other's back. The knives don't feel good. They don't. <laughs> so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to put on a little bit of music up here in the sound booth. I want everybody to stand up. Now, somebody said, oh boy. (laughs) For some of you, this will be easy. For others, it won't. But I just want to challenge you to do something this morning. We're going to have some music. This is just, this is part of what we're doing this morning. You'll get to go home in a few minutes. You know, you probably will have a conversation on the way home saying, oh man, I sure hated that. But I don't think that that is going to be the case. There are many of us here today, and there's other people, you you look around here today and you're going to say, you know what, I don't know that person. I've seen him here for two, three years, or I've seen him for six weeks or whatever. I've never met him. I don't even know who they are. I'm going to get you out of your comfort zone a little bit today, and you're going to look around, you're going to find somebody that you have never met before. Now, we we have obviously people here, part of Josh Trey's family, and you guys are fine with that too. You don't have to, but that's good. If somebody comes to you, just be nice to them. Don't grill them. But just find somebody and just start a conversation. Very simple. It's easy. You know, hey, my name's so-and-so. I, I've seen you here, but I haven't, I haven't met you before. Find out a little, couple, ask them a couple questions. Hey, wh- what do you do? Where do you live? You don't have to give me your address, but just, you know, kind of things. <laughs> kind of what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? Those are just simple questions that, are, that we can do. And guess what? The person sitting next to you is not that person. So I don't want to see you turning to somebody next to you who you live with or are friends with. No. You need to break up with that person for a few minutes. If you need to walk across the room or whatever you need to do. And just try this. Just try stretching yourself a little bit. You don't know what incredible thing may happen in your life. It could change your life. Really. Because down the road you could say, you know what? That Sunday that I met you in church, I didn't realize how good of a friend you were going to become to me. That's the truth about things like this. I walk by people all the time, and then you find out a little about their story, and you, you know what? That is amazing. I can connect. You, you may not make your best friend out of this thing, but you're going to make a relationship, something at least you can pray for somebody, or, or whatever this is. We're going to do this. So Dave, could you put on some kind of cool music? Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 